0: I don't know if you've noticed but so many people are trying to get our attention. So many. The TV commercials are far louder than the shows they air with. There are those in need on the side of the road with cardboard signs trying to get our attention. There's the satellite TV guy in Costco There are the solar people who go toward a door. There are phone messages from people who would like to extend our car warranty. We receive emails from Nigerian princes who want to give us money. And even emails that try to stir fear in us like, last chance you're going to miss out your your account's going to be deactivated some way to stir us into fear to get our attention and so many more and it's a struggle to ignore them it takes effort but sometimes the one that's easiest to ignore the one that we should never ignore is the lord himself The Lord blesses us and He answers our prayers. And when He does that, it's an interesting phenomenon. We'll pause for a moment. We will praise Him and thank Him and then move on. It reminded me of a prayer that we as a church had prayed for seven years and that was for the Lord to grant us favor in selling the office building on Long Look. It took seven years of prayer. Opportunity after opportunity, the door was closed until in God's sovereign timing, back in September, October of 2019, the Lord said, now's the time. And we thanked him. This very morning, I thanked him for that. Because that was a prayer that was so important to us as a church. We prayed for seven years. But we're wired not to remember those, those positive things, those blessings. It's pain and discomfort that really catches and grabs our attention. Have you noticed that? And so the Lord uses uncomfortable situations in our life to get our attention. For the purposes of this message this morning, I'm going to consider all trials, troubles, and tribulations. We'll call them storms. It's a good metaphor because there's a a, a parallel in the physical world that we can latch on to. We're all familiar with physical meteorological storms. God uses both literal and figurative storms to get our attention. And so it would be helpful for the next few minutes to work from a standard definition for this teaching of a storm. And that is any unforgettable and uncomfortable situation. That could be a job loss. It could be a medical diagnosis. A broken relationship. The loss of a loved one. And on that list can be. All of those we'll we'll look at as storms. And we're going to take a look in Scripture because there are storms described in Scripture, and we can learn some things from that. But before we do that, it's important to embrace some fundamental truths that are going to help us have the proper context for what we're about to read. And the first of these truths is God's Word is true. It's always true, even when we don't understand it, even when it doesn't. Make physical sense. Many of us have watched shows on the History Channel that try to give a practical physical explanation for a miracle that God performed in the Old Testament. God is God and He performs miracles. There's no natural explanation for the supernatural. God's word is true, it's always true. The next truth to to embrace is that God is faithful. He is always faithful, even when we're not. His faithfulness is who he is. It doesn't depend on whether or not we're faithful and obedient or not. That is a truth we should hold on to tightly. And the third truth is that God's purpose for storms in our life are for his glory and our growth. Always. even when we don't want to grow. I know some of us would like to say, Lord, I don't want to grow. I'm happy where I am. Just don't send any storms my way. No storms, no growth. I'm okay with that. But God is faithful. And even if we don't want to grow, he is going to allow or offer a storm into our life that will bring him glory and will cause us to grow. So count on it. Philippians 1.6. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Now, it's important to know and remember that he never intends for a storm in our life to destroy us. Let me clarify that. A storm may result in him calling us home to be with him, but it's never to destroy us. If he calls us home as a result of the storm, we're in the throne room with the Lord, never to be separated from him. That's a blessing for those of us who repented and believed in Jesus as Lord and Savior. When, When we're faced with a storm, many believers simply try to get through it. They grit their teeth, they hold on tight, try to just power their way through it or endure through it, rather than consider that God's trying to get our attention. But by knowing these four storms, we can develop a grid of discernment to help us. And our response to a storm will always be in obedience to his word. Always. difficulties in our life are never justification for sin. Oh Lord, I'm going through this storm. I can do this even though you told me not to is never a good excuse. It's never a reason. It's never what the Lord calls us to do when we're faced with difficulty. Now in the world, the unbelieving world, they embrace something called pragmatism, where the ends justify the means. And if it helps me get to the end, then anything goes, as long as it helps me accomplish that goal, which is to get through the storm. But for us, who are disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, he is concerned about what we do, how we do it, and why we do it. He's concerned with all of that. We just can't do whatever it takes to get through it. He has a purpose. So let's take a look at the first storm. If you would, please turn to the book of Jonah, in chapter 1. We're going to look at a storm, see what God's purpose is for that storm, and how we are to respond to that storm. And Lord willing, through this examination of these four storms, we will be equipped to really seek out the Lord and what he's doing in our lives. Jonah chapter 1. Now, in some of these storms, there are far too many verses that we can read in its entirety. So we'll kind of bounce a bit through it to get the narrative of that storm. But all of the scripture references are in your outline, along with the supporting scripture verses. Highly encourage you to spend this week digging into all of them. They're all helpful. They're all relevant. Book of Jonah, chapter 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found the ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. Now I need to pause there for a moment, for, just for a, a geography point of interest. Tarshish was in direct opposite direction of Nineveh. So when Jonah got on that ship to Tarshish, he was 180 degrees in the opposite direction from what the Lord had told him to go. Verse 4, but the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea and there was a mighty tempest on the sea. That would be a storm. So that the ship was threatened to break up. Now, Jonah explained to the crew that he was the cause for this storm. So if you would look down to verse 15. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea. And the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish. So here we see Jonah, who disobeyed the Lord, ended up with a storm and into a fish to get his attention. So this brings us to our first storm. The first storm that we're looking at is the storm of correction. Correction. And what's God's purpose? To repent of our sin. It took a storm being swallowed by a big fish and spending three days in the fish's belly to get Jonah's attention. How hard must his heart have been that a shipwreck wasn't enough. Being thrown overboard wasn't enough. Getting swallowed by a fish wasn't enough. He had to spend three days in the belly of a fish. I can just imagine him after the third day thinking, hey, this fish belly condo's not so bad. I could put a couch over here, dining room over there. How does he spend three days in the belly of a fish before he comes to a point of repentance? It's a great illustration and example of how hard our hearts can be when we're in Rebellion. So what should our response be to repent of our sin? In life, we might experience the foreclosure of a home. That could be, that's a storm. It could be the result of poor financial stewardship. It could be that the home is an idol. In the flesh, we can make an idol of anything and everything. And we can make an idol of our home. Maybe that home was a, a point of personal pride. Oh, look at the home that I have. And you know, we could humble brag, and look at the home that the Lord gave me. And Aren't I so great and spiritual because the Lord gave me this home? So a foreclosure of our home might be as a result of any of those things that require our repentance. Now, it's important to note We can't tell what type of storm it is by the circumstances. What I mean by that is that not everyone who loses their home is going through a storm of correction. That's not it at all. It's important to to remember that and keep that in mind as we look at some examples. So let's take a look at the next storm. If you would please turn to Genesis chapter 6. We've studied this a few months ago. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. And Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. and covered inside and out with pitch. Fast forward to verse 22. Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. Then the Lord said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and all your household. For I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. Verse 4. For in seven days... I will send rain on the earth 40 days and 40 nights and every living thing that I have made I will blot out from the face of the ground. And Noah did all that the Lord had commanded him. Verse 10. And after seven days the waters of the flood came upon the earth. So here we see Noah is a righteous man and he found favor with the Lord. So, this was not a storm of correction for Noah. So, if it wasn't correction, what kind of storm was it? Well, the second storm that we're going to take a look at is the storm of protection. Protection. And what's God's purpose for a storm of protection in our lives? It's to shield us from greater danger. There's some danger looming ahead that's even greater than the storm that we're experiencing. Noah was a righteous man in the midst of evil. We saw that repeatedly in those few verses. The flood protected him from that evil. How long might it have been before Noah succumbed to the evil that was surrounding him. And we know if we studied God's word that the the flood is a biblical type for the rapture. And those of us, we're living here in the last days. Jesus was asked, when are you returning? And he said in the Olivet Discourse, as the days of Noah, so will the coming of the Son of Man be. Well, as the days of Noah, we just read, evil continually. Be encouraged that the Lord will come back for us or call us home before the evil of this unbelieving world overcomes us. That's the storm of protection. When he comes for us, it's going to get a lot worse after we're gone. That we see in his word. So be encouraged that If we're still here and he hasn't raptured us, two things, it's going to get worse, which is not encouraging. But if it's going to get worse and he still hasn't come for us, then he's equipped us and protected us from that evil. It won't overcome us. So our response to a storm of protection in our life should be to remove ourselves from danger. The Lord protects us from the things we don't know. Psalm 84.11. Unable to buy a particular house. I don't know why I'm I'm dwelling on houses, but nothing to read in there. It's just an example. But unable to buy a house, a particular house. Maybe the neighbors of the house are pretty bad. Maybe there's a hidden damage to the house. Even if you get a house inspection, they can't find anything and everything. There might be some structural damage that would cost tens of thousands of dollars. Maybe it's a bad investment. Maybe there are hoarder homes in the surrounding area that are going to just bring the property value down. So maybe not being able to buy that house that we had our hearts set on is a storm of God's protection. Hey, we want the house. Wanting a house is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. But that particular house has with it some hidden danger the Lord would be protecting us from. Another example... Severed or damaged relationships. That could be a storm of protection. The Lord may be protecting us from toxic people. And I'm sure I'm not alone in that. I have some some extended family members who are toxic. You say the kindest, gentlest thing in humility and they turn it around and and it's an attack. Toxic people. The Lord protects us from toxic people by a storm of protection. Maybe that person that we've, we've severed that relationship, maybe there would be a cause of stumbling. Or maybe the time we spend with that person doesn't bear fruit. It's important to know when you're, when you have a relationship with someone, especially someone who's not a believer, but not, not limited to, an unbeliever, but anyone really, one of two things are happening. Either you are having an influence on them or they're having an influence on you. So if you're ministering to someone and they're going through a difficult time and maybe they're a little bit worldly or whatever the the deal is with them, watch yourself. Are you being impacted by your relationship with them or do you see fruit in their life that you're having an impact because if you see no fruit and impact on their life, guess what? You're the one being impacted, you're the one being affected, so be watchful. Not only, not only is it protection from danger, but these severed relationships are a protection of our time and our energy. You have a relationship with someone who's just a black hole? you just pour into them and, and you love them and, and there's no movement, there's no nothing and you can't give enough in that relationship? That's a drain on our energy and on our time. Consider that the Lord is protecting you from that relationship, from, that, from draining your energy and, and time. Time is, we don't have a lot of time left. And as I get older, I'm learning how little time I have left. So storm of protection. Let's take a look at a third storm. If you would turn to the book of Acts, chapter 27. Here we're going to see the Apostle Paul, who's a prisoner. He's on a ship headed for Rome. Acts 27. Now, this is a long account, but we're going to just skip. To the, the important points that move the narrative along. Acts 27, verse 13. Now when the south wind blew gently, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, they weighed anchor and sailed along Crete, close to the shore. But soon a tempestuous wind called the Northeaster struck down from the land, and when the ship was caught, And could not face the wind, we gave way to it and we were driven along. Flip to verse 41. But striking a reef, they ran the vessel aground. The bow stuck and remained immovable, and the stern was being broken up by the surf. The soldiers' plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any should swim away and escape. But the centurion, wishing to save Paul, kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and make for the land, and the rest on planks or on pieces of the ship. And so it was that all were brought safely to land. After we were brought safely through, We then learned that the island was called Malta. The native people showed us unusual kindness, for they kindled a fire and welcomed us all, because it had begun to rain and it was cold. Verse 7. Now in the neighborhood, that place were lands belonging to the chief man of the island named Publius. He received us and entertained us hospitably for three days. It happened that the father of Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery. And Paul visited him and prayed, and putting his hands on him, healed him. And when this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and were cured. They also honored us greatly, and when we were about to sail, they put on board whatever we needed The ship was on its way to Rome, but was shipwrecked on Malta. Now on the surface, it seems like an accidental detour. But if you noticed in that historical narrative of what happened, all were brought to safely to safety. There was unusual kindness by the by the people there towards those who were shipwrecked. And here we see the third storm that the Lord we'll use in our lives. And this storm is the storm of direction. Storm of direction. God's purpose for a storm of direction in our lives is to change the current path we're on. It wasn't man's plan to stop it malt. This shipwreck allowed Paul to preach the gospel to people who wouldn't otherwise have heard it. And to this day, 2000 years later, Paul's stop at Malta still has an impact to this day. And some of you may know that Lord Willing even I's plan for retirement is to minister to people on the island of Malta. And Lord willing that'll happen, but we see the Apostle Paul's effect of being shipwrecked on Malta to this day. It was not an accident. It wasn't a detour. It was part of God's plan. So what should our response be when encountering a storm of direction in our life? Our response should be to revise our plans. Seems like common sense. But here in James chapter 4, verse 14, it is written, Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a midst, mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. Well, when the Lord puts up a storm of direction, he wills something different. So, we should modify our plans, adjust our expectation, change our direction. Experiencing the loss of a job is a storm in our life. Especially if we depend on that job for income. So, what what might that be in terms of a storm of direction? Well, maybe the Lord would have us relocate to somewhere else where there is a job. Maybe to change career paths. He doesn't want us to leave, just wants us to do something differently. I've experienced that. Those of you who have, have read my book, you've seen a few of the storms in our lives and how we've gone through them with the Lord's grace and his mercy and, his, and just his love and equipping through that. And so I ended up to this day working at a place where it was not my choice, but it was God's choice and it was perfect. And I would not to this day choose anything different than what he chose for me. So I'm thankful that he brought that storm into my life of direction, to end up where I'm working, where I can minister the gospel, share love and the truth of Christ with those who need it. It's a storm of direction. Maybe you're experiencing a decline in your health or physical mobility. That could be a storm of direction. Reduce the workload or maybe reduce activity. Especially for us men, in our minds we're still 20-something, 30-something. We could still do the things we did 30-plus years ago, but our body is saying, no, (laughs) and says no for an extended period of time. I find myself when I strain a muscle and simply getting out of bed can strain a muscle. It takes days to recover. The Lord's got my attention. The Lord has my attention. I can't do the things I used to do. I can't even do the things that I I imagined being able to do back then that I never did, that I think I could do now. There are things that I think, oh, I can hike up that mountain. You didn't even hike up that mountain when you were 20. How are you going to do it 40 years later? The Lord is so kind, and he has a good sense of humor. I, I appreciate that. I really do. So, storm of direction. We'll take a look at one, one more storm, if you would, please. Uh, for the last time, turn to uh, Matthew chapter 14. We've just touched upon a few examples of each of these storms. There's so many more. It's not time to to review them this morning, but uh, prayerfully consider what the Lord might be showing us. Matthew 14, starting in verse 22. Immediately he, that's Jesus, dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, oh, I'm sorry, let me back up. He was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, "'Lord, save me!' Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, "'Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt?' And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, "'Truly, you are the Son of God.'" this is an interesting storm because Jesus gave them a command. They obeyed that command. They got in the boat to go to the side. What was the result? They ended up in a storm. How many times have we been obedient to the Lord and by being obedient, we end up in a storm? An unforgettable and uncomfortable situation. Well, that leads to our fourth storm this morning. The storm of... Perfection. Perfection. What is God's purpose for a storm of perfection in our life? It is to strengthen our faith. Just take a look at what happened with the the disciples. What was the result of the storm? They worshipped him. They worshipped Jesus and for the first time proclaimed him to be the son of God. Up until that point, the only one who declared Jesus to be the Son of God in Matthew's Gospels were the demons who possessed the man early in the the Gospel. But this was the first time that the disciples declared Jesus to be the Son of God. See, the disciples would need greater faith in the future. We see in Scripture all of the troubles and the persecution and, and the executions that they suffered for their faith. They needed to grow their faith. They didn't know they needed to grow their faith, but the Lord did. And so through that storm of perfection, he helped them to grow in their faith. So that's God's purpose to strengthen our faith. What should our response be when the Lord allows or authors a storm of perfection into our life. Our response should be to rely on the Lord. Trust in the Lord, stand on the truth of his word, of who he is and who we are in him. Of all the people that I've counseled over the years, different personalities, different situations, different life experiences, there are two things that all of them have in common, and all those folks that I've counseled. They've had a misunderstanding or an ignorance about who God is and who they are in Christ. Those are two common things that we can all succumb to. Trust the Lord in who he is and who we are in him. The death of a loved one could be a storm of perfection to trust the lord in his promises trust the lord especially if the loved one that we've lost is a believer to trust that they are home in heaven that's a storm of perfection it grows our faith maybe it's a medical issue and maybe there's no cure Trust the Lord. Trust Him in His character. Or maybe taking a righteous stand, especially in these dark days, taking a righteous stand with the proper motive to see God glorified and people blessed, taking a righteous stand from Scripture, we can experience a storm of perfection. Do the right thing before the Lord and suffer earthly consequences as a result of doing the right thing before the Lord. And it's always the right choice to do the right thing for the Lord. So those are the four storms. Now let's take a few minutes to take a look at how can we grow from these storms? Because that's God's purpose in our life. He allows and authorizes these storms not just because... It gives us something to do. He's got a purpose, and we've seen those four purposes. So how can we grow? There's there's four things we can look at. The first is recognize that there is a storm, and it is mine. Realize that God wants to get your attention, not anyone else's. The storm in your life is for you. There might be some others involved in that, but it's primarily and specifically for you. Be careful of denying that a storm exists. It reminds me of this internet meme that's been floating around, of a dog sitting at a table drinking a cup of coffee. The whole place is on fire, and there's this little bubble that says, this is fine. We can do that sometimes if we deny that we're in a storm. Or, it's all good. I've heard people say that. Oh, it's all good. Yeah, Car car burst into flames. It's all good. Floating above it all is not super spiritual. It's foolish. But when we don't want to acknowledge and admit that we're in a storm, we can deny that there is a storm and say, this is fine. It's supposed to be this way. The flip side... Of that, of of denial, is in the opposite direction. Don't be a storm chaser. You ever watch Discovery Channel and there's these, these people who get in the trucks with their equipment and they drive to a tornado? Don't be that person. Don't chase other people's storms. Now there are two reasons why we might want to be storm chasers. The first is if we suffer from a martyr complex. I'm going to jump in. Oh, look at me. Now I'm suffering too with them. That's not God's purpose. The flip side of that is maybe we suffer from a savior complex. I'm going to jump in the storm and I'm going to help everybody. I'm going to save everybody through my wisdom and anything else that I might have. That's not the Lord's purpose for that either. Shall sure, we come alongside a brother or sister who is in a storm the storm is still theirs. We come alongside to encourage in fellowship, speak the truth of God's word, share the love of Christ with them, bear their burden with them. But it's never, it's never to take it on ourselves to be the martyr. Oh, I'm suffering, or I can help you, I can save you. So recognize that there's a storm and the storm is mine. Second step. Try to identify the type of storm. Now, there's very few places in Scripture, and I can't think of anyone other than the one in Ephesians 5.10 where the Lord tells us to try. And now some of you Star Wars folks are remembering Yoda. There is no try, there's do or do not. But here in Ephesians 5.10, God's word clearly says, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Make the attempt. Self-examination. We might not be able to discern what the storm is, but through that effort of, of seeking the Lord, he will give us clarity that we need. Be careful not to confuse a storm of perfection with protection. Let me see if I can give a little example. Might have someone who has made a difficult decision, forced through the resistance, jumped over the opposition, and ended up in a pit. And they're in the pit. I made this hard decision, I jumped over the hurdle. Look at me, I'm super spiritual. Storm of perfection, baby. And really, it's that was not a hurdle to jump over. It was a guardrail to keep you safe. So, seek the Lord. What's what's the storm for? And it it really means being brutally honest with ourselves in our prayer closet, quietly, before the Lord, being totally open and transparent with Him, holding nothing back, no one is exempt from any particular type of storm. So I've got to lay that out there. And what I mean by that is I've, I've counseled those who think every storm in their life is a storm of perfection. Oh, I'm just, you know, he's growing me spiritually. I'm being more obedient. Never, never consider it a storm of correction. Huh, why would the Lord bring a storm of correction in my life? I'm doing everything Right. We're all, we are all going to receive those storms as the Lord wills in a way that will bring him glory and help us to grow. Be in fellowship. So important. Ask trusted believers what they see in your circumstances. We all have blind spots, and they're blind spots because we can't see, but others can. So if you have a trusted brother or sister seek out their input. See if they see something you don't. And I need to point this out. If you're here this morning and you haven't been saved you haven't repented of your sin and believed in Jesus as Lord and Savior and abide in him here's something that will be helpful for you. Every storm in your life is a storm of correction. It's very simple. If you are not a believer, if you have not been saved, every storm in your life is a storm of correction. The Lord is trying to get your attention of your rebellion and your defiance of him. He doesn't want to see you pay for eternity the price of your sins. He wants you to come to him in repentance, to receive the forgiveness that Jesus paid for. So, if you're an unbeliever, every storm is a storm of correction. Third, be humble and willing to learn, own, and embrace the message that the Lord is sending through that storm. because the Lord is faithful. Remember that first truth? The Lord is faithful. If he brings a storm into our life and we don't respond, if we don't own it, if we don't embrace it, we don't learn from it, he'll bring another storm or he'll amp the pressure up on that storm. He is faithful to get us to the point of responding the way he wants us to respond. And here's why the the storm metaphor is helpful. Helpful. Don't wait out a storm in a storm cellar. Now, we don't have them here, but if you remember the movie The Wizard of Oz in Kansas, they had the storm cellar, and when the tornadoes were coming, they opened up the cellar and went down into it as the storm passed over. Don't wait it out in a storm cellar. What that looks like for us today is to embrace distractions to minimize or avoid the effects of the storm. We can do things to preoccupy our minds. Oh, I can't think about this difficult thing right now. I want to do this. I want to see that. I want to go elsewhere. Anything to avoid dealing with the storm. So don't wait it out in a storm cellar. Again, be in fellowship. Or ear groups. And make sure that you're a group Applies God's word to your circumstances. Avoid what I affectionately call navel gazing Christianity. That's where we look at the truth of scripture and we just imagine and explore the depths of the theology that's encapsulated by those verses rather than see how it applies to our lives and our circumstances. Don't be navel gazers. A fourth important point. Not every storm will end in this life. But all end in the next. And that's that's the reality, that's the truth. Not every storm that we experience in this life will end in this life. Particularly physical ailments. Many of us suffer from physical ailments that absent the Lord's divine intervention, we're going to suffer for the rest of our lives. I suffer from an extreme case of tinnitus. There is never a moment of silence for me. And like Gideon, Moses, Jesus, the Apostle Paul, I've asked the Lord three times, heal me. And he said, no. I trust him. He knows what's best. But I know... When he calls me home in the throne room we'll have glorified bodies glorified mind no sin no aches or pains perfect body full head of hair it's going to be great. So just because the storm will not end in this life doesn't mean it's for eternity. The Lord has a purpose. I don't say that lightly. Many of us are suffering in silence bearing that burden that the Lord has placed on us for physical ailments. The Lord has a purpose for that. And it's my prayer that he would reveal that purpose to you. So we've looked at these storms, that the Lord is trying to get our attention, and we're to respond to a storm when we encounter it, when we experience it. But he doesn't leave us to deal with that storm alone. He doesn't, he doesn't send a storm into our lives and said, all right, let's see what you do with that. The Lord doesn't work that way. He is with us. He helps us. He's there for us. And so in this last section of the message this morning is to see how God helps us through the storm. The first way he does that is when we recognize the person of God who he is and what he has done because maybe you forgot but God's not like us his ways are not our ways his the way he thinks is not the way we think sometimes we can project our own deficiencies and our own shortcomings on the lord and say think he's the same way but that's not true he is perfect in character he never sins he can't sin There are things that God cannot do, contrary to what some might say. He cannot sin. Second, respect the power of God. He's all powerful, nothing is impossible for him. He does things that we can't. And I'm glad, I thought I saw him here this morning. One of my favorite theologians is here this morning, Jimmy Frank. Brother, you know what I'm going to say. He once told me, "Don't mess with God; he will kill you." (laughs) Twin brothers from different mothers. But that in that in that statement is the truth that God is all powerful. He is to be feared, but he's also to be trusted. We are real people with real problems. But we worship a real God with real power for real solutions. Respect the power of God. Be encouraged by that. Rejoice in the presence of God would be a third way. He is in us. The Holy Spirit is in each and every believer who has repented and believed. The Holy Spirit is in us. The same power that raised Jesus from the grave is in us, empowering us to live this life that the Lord has called us to live. We don't live it in our own strength, in our own power, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's also with us amongst our brothers and sisters because not only does he live in me, He lives in you, and you, and you. And when we're in fellowship, I'm surrounded by by God because I'm surrounded by brothers and sisters who have the indwelling Holy Spirit. So God is in us, he's around us, his word is with us. Wherever and whenever we are, we are never alone. So rejoice in the presence of God. And fourth, remember the plan of God. No matter what's happening now, he has a plan for the future and it will be done. You could also reword that to to say revel in the, the promises of God. It's the same thing. God has made promises for us that he's going to carry out his way and in his timing So no matter what our circumstances look like now, the Lord is still in control and he has a plan. We know how the story ends. Jesus is the victor. So I want to leave leave us with one final thought. And that is, God is glorified in the presence of others when we grow through the storm, not just go through it. The people around us are watching us. They see the hardships that we endure. Becoming a believer, life becomes harder. Not easier. It becomes harder. However, again, the Holy Spirit empowers us and the Lord gives us the wisdom to see His Word and apply it to our lives. So it's, we, we, can, we can walk through that righteously. But others are watching us and say, they're suffering the same things we're suffering we're not you know we we believers are not immune to the trials and troubles and tribulations of the world but we do have the power and the wisdom and the help to go through that and people are watching and when we respond to the storms in our life in a way that's righteous and honors the lord that we're not freaking out that yes this is difficult oh this is terrible but I trust the Lord and, oh, look, in his word, he, he gives me the guidance I need. When they see that in us, that's got, our, that's got their attention because they don't have what we have. And if we respond to the storms in our life in the exact same way as unbelievers do, where's, where's the power of the gospel in that situation? It's when we walk righteously through the storms and we grow, we learn a lesson, and maybe it's you know, confession, maybe it's repentance, whatever it is, making hard decisions, sometimes making unconventional decisions that line up with God's will and his word. God is glorified in that because it demonstrates to, to those around us God is real. Please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you in Jesus' name for your perfect love for us. Lord, you saved us. That was the work of Jesus alone. Only Jesus paid the price for our sins so that we can be reconciled to you. But from that moment on, that moment of justification, the rest of our lives are living through the process of sanctification, which is a process that involves our cooperation with what you are doing in our lives and one of the ways that you speak into our lives is through the storms, the, the day-to-day situations in our life that are uncomfortable and unforgettable. You want to get our attention to help us to depend on you and to grow and make changes in direction or correction, whatever that might be. But it's all for your glory and for our growth. Lord, you are the gatekeeper of those storms. No storm happens in our life unless you author it or allow it specifically for your glory and our growth. Thank you for that, Lord. We can trust that because you are good. And you are faithful. And you are faithfully growing us in likeness through these storms. I do pray for my brothers and sisters uh, this morning who, who are going through a storm. Whatever the details are, Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit is ministering to their hearts, giving them comfort, giving them peace, reminding them of who you are, who they are in you, what you have done for them. And that they would respond in trusting you and obeying you, loving you through those difficult circumstances, that they would praise you in the presence of others, not with a superficial above it all, but in the trenches, in the midst of this storm, a genuine, sincere love and praise for you. Lord, there may be some here this morning who don't know you, who are still in rebellion. Thank you. Thank you for the storms you bring in their lives. I remember, before I came to that that point of repentance and belief, you brought some serious storms into my life. Storms that decimated my life for the purpose of drawing me to you. So I pray for those who don't know you yet, and are suffering a storm, that they wouldn't shake an angry fist at you, but they'd turn their hands up, palms up, and say, Lord, save me. And Lord, you're waiting for that. By the power of your Holy Spirit, you can do that. And we would ask salvation for those who are still in rebellion against you. Lord, thank you that we don't have to go through this life alone. Thank you that we have God the Holy Spirit in us, who encourages us, equips us, empowers us, uh, convicts us where, where it's needed. And for our brothers and sisters that we're here as a family, you dwell in them as well, and you surround us when we're in fellowship with one another, bearing one another's burdens, encouraging one another, correcting one another in love to see you glorified and we grow in likeness. And so, Lord, for those who are not experiencing a storm, We know the storm is coming. May they be ready. May they be aware of your presence in their life and and immediately run to you that you would be their first flinch, not their refuge of last resort. And in all these things, Lord, may you be glorified. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.